chapter six of the house of mystery by richard marsh this librivox recording is in the public domain some interviews at cross purposes madeline's heart stood still the intense silence seemed to breathe of tragedy whatever hand he might have had in what had happened it was plain that bianchi was seized with an agony of remorse as soon as the thing was done madeline could see that he was leaning over the ledge peering into the sombre depths below he broke into speech mostly interjections maud maud my love my life my all madeline had risen to her feet all at once she came out of her obscurity she had been seized with such a sudden feeling of revulsion towards the excitable italian such an excess of bitterness that without staying to think of what it was she did or proposed she went swiftly towards him bent only on wreaking on him some sort of vengeance he heard her come and starting back from the ledge on which he had been leaning exhibited at the sight of her symptoms of a degree of terror which was nothing short of grotesque for the love of god for the love of god she went close up to him holding out towards him her angry scornful hands as if she would shower forth on him from her finger-tips the torrents of her contempt coward she cried coward and murderer so bereft was he of all sense of what was due to his manhood by the appearance of what he evidently took to be an apparition that he turned tail and ran from her like some hunted thing his footsteps sounding along the gallery until he reached a door at the end through which he rushed crashing it after him with a bang as he went through madeline pursuing her onward way gained the floor by means of the staircase up which she had ascended maud she exclaimed maud where are you it was the same question which bianchi had addressed to the darkness a little time before but in her case it received an immediate response in the shape of a peal of gentle laughter which scarcely suggested a person in an extremity of pain here i am my dear don't shout as if you thought i was in another world and wished your voice to reach me there how you frightened that poor dear bianchi he's the most superstitious creature alive and since he took you for a ghost i shouldn't be surprised if he never pauses in his flight till he's run all the way back to his own italy so much the better it will be an excellent riddance but my dear where are you hurt where why nowhere i'm a squirrel or a cat the cat for choice i caught hold of the ledge as i fell with my right hand and then i dropped i'm long you know and it's nothing of a drop but the sooner we're out of this the better the dear bianchi may pause to think if he does he may begin to wonder and from that it will be but a step to his coming back to ascertain how that ghost business of yours was worked in which case it will be just as well if you and i were missing they returned the way they came again without encountering a creature as they went when they were back in the room so soon as she had turned the key in the door maud burst into peal after peal of laughter my dearest madeline what treasure trove you are we've only got to keep it secret that we've a dual personality that there are two of us that i'm you and you are me and think of the long vista of glorious adventure which opens out in front of us 
this poor bianchi he's seen a ghost let's keep the joke going allow him to remain under the impression that yours truly has been slain visit him occasionally as the spectre of the victim of his murderous rage you be the spectre you'll have him in a madhouse in a month thank you i'd rather be excused my impression that you would find him a dangerous plaything has become considerably strengthened yes he is dangerous that's his charm it's an affair of temperament where when i'm in a provoking mood an englishman would sulk he becomes stark mad i'm not sure which is the better the odd thing is that i am not quite sure that i don't love him i really am not in my way he's not always all fire and fury and as a lover my dear in the matter of making love he's just sublime in that respect no englishman i ever heard of comes within a thousand miles of him at bottom he's as tender-hearted and as gentle as a child brave strong patient in his fashion and where i am not concerned and full of a simple faith in god and his exceeding loving-kindness in the face of which i more than once have felt ashamed and then we are united by the bonds of music what did you think of my voice it's the most wonderful i ever heard i tremble as i think of it it seemed to be of more than mortal beauty i can quite understand your feeling that it is a gift to you from god and that therefore you ought to use it for the good of all his creatures my dear i thank you maud put her hands upon her shoulders and kissed her on the brow and lips with a sort of quaint solemnity i'm only truly in earnest when i'm singing i think it's because that voice of mine half frightens me it's as if it were a link between earth and heaven and as it issues from my lips a veil seems to be drawn aside i feel as if i were standing in the presence of the holy of holies and i dare not trifle then but unfortunately people are apt to suppose that because i sing like an angel i am one and i'm not mine is the artistic temperament i'm everything by turns and nothing long and in whatever i may be at the moment i am thorough you see i have the defects of my qualities hush who's that someone tried the handle of the door and finding it locked tapped at the panel who's there it's i mrs singleton maud turned to madeline quick it's singleton get behind the curtain i'll let her in and play at being you we'll see how she enjoys being treated to a card out of her own pack but stay we are not dressed alike that doesn't matter i'll turn out the lights and you'll see if in the darkness she doesn't take me for you her actions were suited to her words madeline found herself hurried behind a curtain which faced the entrance maud plunging the room into darkness by disconnecting the electric light turned the key in the door in came mrs singleton my child are you all alone in the dark maud replied with a glib assurance which made madeline behind the curtain wince i thought i should be safer in the dark because unseen besides i love it and i locked the door so that no one might come in mrs singleton's tone in marked contrast to the girl's was full of anxiety she seemed to notice nothing singular in the other's explanation let me turn the light on for you now no thank you don't i tell you that i love the darkness mrs singleton sighed ah my dear how like miss maud you are even in that how often have i heard her say that she likes the darkness because it's full of mystery she appears to be a curious person this miss maud of yours she is though it goes to my heart to have to say so she's a strange young lady 
but i've come to say how sorry i am to have had to keep you waiting and even now i cannot stop i must be back with the countess directly i've had to manufacture an excuse to be able to leave her for a moment she talks of nothing but miss maud she set upon her marrying the earl so she ought to yes my dear i know she ought to but unfortunately we don't all of us do what we ought miss maud any more than the rest of us it seems to me that this miss maud of yours is a worthless and ungrateful creature my dear she's not that she's very far from being that or i should not love her as i do she's young and hot-headed and impetuous i perfectly understand we speak like that of people when they're thoroughly bad characters my dear you must not talk like that i cannot allow it i wish you to understand nothing of the kind you seem to have changed since i left you heaven forgive me for saying it but you seem to have become more than ever like miss maud but i have come to ask you a favour to entreat you even if you wish it on my knees to stay at least to-night if in her present mood the countess were to discover that miss maud was missing i don't know what would happen to us all you needn't be alarmed i'll stay to-night and as many more nights as you like indeed i'll stop as long as you choose to keep me i promise you that god bless you for saying so and he will bless you my dear you are doing a service to a child whose one fault is the thoughtlessness of youth and i may tell you that you impressed the countess very favourably this afternoon she never supposed but that you were miss maud and miss maud at her best that is very good of her though i am not sure that she gives me cause for feeling flattered my dear miss maud is the loveliest girl in london and the cleverest and of as high a family as any in the world she may be all that and yet you know one may not find the resemblance flattering i do not understand you you did not talk like this just now you perplex me and indeed mrs singleton did seem troubled but i cannot stay i must get back to the countess i can only thank you and assure you your promise has lifted a heavy load from off my heart the old lady was gone instantly maud was on her feet the door was locked the lights were glowing madeline you little wretch come out of that out came madeline from her hiding-place maud began to dance about her like some madcap child what do you think of that didn't i beat her at her own game didn't i hoist her with her own petard that comes of deceiving others you're sure to be deceived yourself take the lesson to your heart my child madeline's countenance was not by any means so jubilant as her companions you have not made the position easier for me when mrs singleton does see me what will she think of my having spoken to her like that like what didn't you hear what she said that i was more like miss maud than ever take the hint miss maud is impertinent and overbearing you must assume those virtues too your mistake is that you're made of sugar and spice and all that's nice it's an error there's nothing sweet about miss maud miss maud is sour but one thing's sure you'll have to stay and keep on being me maud i can't it's impossible you mustn't ask me you must not every moment i feel more and more ashamed of myself that's nothing i'm always feeling ashamed of myself shame's a shrub of much vitality in fact i should feel ashamed of myself if i weren't ashamed because i know i'm always plucking at the leaves but as for you the thing's arranged didn't you hear how you lifted a weight off dear old singleton's old heart and our blessings were rained down upon your head you've got to stay and marry the earl maud 
madeline don't stare at me as if you had a poker down your back you know you love him love him when i've seen him once and spoken to him a dozen words well perhaps the words a trifle strong though love's not a plant of such slow growth as you pretend at any rate you like him yes already and with that sort of liking which one finds it difficult to describe deny it if you dare maud do you think it's kind of you to talk to me like this i'm a typist a girl somewhere on the same level as a seamstress i think myself lucky if i make fifteen shillings a week my whole life has been a struggle for bread over and over again i've had to do without the butter i've never had five pounds at one time to call my own i've constantly been without five pence insult and contumely work and weariness hunger and despair that's the atmosphere in which i've lived always month after month year after year fate has drawn me out of it for an instant for a freak a jest but i'm returning to it now to remain in it with hundreds of thousands of other girls better and cleverer than myself until i die and you talk to me of marrying an earl if you consider you will perceive why that sort of talk is apt to make one wince you've been luckier than i miss dorincourt you don't know what you say do you think that having her physical needs supplied is all that a woman wants i've been fed like a hog in a sty and like the hog i've been kept in the sty to wallow it's true never have i been treated as if i were a reasonable being as if i had a wish or aspiration of my own worth a moment's consideration it has been dinned into my ear ever since my frocks first began to come below my knees that i was being fed and clothed washed and tended oiled and curled so that in the fullness of time i might be brought to a fit condition to become conrad's wife mine has been a life's imprisonment and not a day has passed on which i have not striven to escape by beating against the doors and windows the only prospect in front of me is the exchange from a larger jail into a smaller and you think i'm to be envied if it came to the sticking point and i really had to choose i'd make you stay and i'd go out to fill your place outside i might have a chance to become the mistress of my own fate here i'll be chained by the leg for life madeline shook her head you talk as a theorist i repeat that you don't know what you say then give me a chance of gaining the knowledge of which you seem so proud stay and let me go hush there's someone at the door again it's mrs singleton come back who's there a masculine voice replied i'm here if you will turn the key and draw the bars and bolts and open the door you will see who i am there was a rattling of the handle as if by way of conveying a hint that the speaker did not desire to be kept waiting maud turned to madeline with flashing eyes speaking below her breath it's reginald fanshawe madeline whispered back to her it's the man who discovered the imposture you talk to me of staying and here's the man who found out in a moment that i was nothing but a trickster come to tax me with my trickery and to punish me for it as i deserve oh that's what he's come for is it then we'll show this over-clever gentleman a thing or two you'll have to get behind that convenient curtain of yours again my dear leave me to deal with mr fanshawe she began to hurry madeline towards the curtain under whose cover she had been previously sheltered madeline expostulating with her as she went miss dorincourt maud do be careful what you say i'll be the most careful creature in this wide wide world 
i'll undertake my dearest to take the most solicitous care of your interest as well as mine there came another rattling at the handle and banging at the panel open this door quick whispered Madeline. don't keep him waiting you'll make him angry angry maud laughed just as though i could find it in my heart to anger any one very leisurely strolling to the door she turned the key surveying the impatient gentleman outside with an air of calm impertinence oh so it's you dear me what a hurry you seem to be in she retreated towards the centre of the room her arms and hands kept ostentatiously behind her and her glorious head thrown a little back in her eyes there was the fire of battle the glint of malice placing himself right in front of her he looked her up and down as if he were appraising her her bearing seemed to afford him considerable amusement you carry it off uncommonly well don't i it's a way i have and a good way too does you credit and pray who may you chance to be i don't understand you no that's odd you don't look like a girl who was dull of comprehension and pray how have you got here i understand you less than ever that's odder still don't let your lack of comprehension advance too fast and pray where may our dear miss dorincourt have gone my dear reginald what do you mean reginald he laughed your dear reginald do you always address men by their christian names when first you meet them reginald are you mad he laughed again seating himself in an armchair crossing his legs clasping his hands behind his head he looked up at her with a smile which was hardly intended to be flattering what is the solution of your little puzzle has the dear maud gone too far at last with her bianchi has he gone too far with his dear maud or is she off on some new caper of her own i know that she's been missing for the last two days being better posted in such matters than you suppose i was considering whether it was not my bounden duty to advise her grandmother of her curious absence but your appearance on the scene has a little floored me whose idea are you singleton's if so the old woman is cleverer than i believed i am waiting my dear reginald to see if there is some glimmer of reason in your new madness you're smart uncommonly and you're like her remarkably the ordinary observer you deceive at sight in fact you have deceived the others they all suppose you to be the genuine maud conrad in particular you seem to have filled with a sort of holy joy but i'm not quite so easily taken in i spotted you at once your hair is like in colour though i fancy it's been dyed to sample it looks a trifle dark about the roots but your head is not shaped like maud's and you're a trifle shorter and a trifle stouter though i see you've squeezed yourself into another of her frocks before and beyond all else you lack her hoity-toity i'm the queen of the castle sort of pose that is inimitable and the more i look at you the more obvious the dissimilarities become still it's a fair likeness that i'll own maud sat down she crossed her legs clasped her hands behind her back looked at him and smiled my dear reginald now that you seem to have paused to take a little breath may i ask what your presence here and this burst of eloquence may mean the bluff won't score it's spotted the game's exposed i'm a player myself you're a player what at she tapped her foot impatiently against the floor will you tell me what do you mean he rose from his chair you know very well what i mean after all your methods are only elementary 
do you think that i don't know that you're no more maud dorincourt than i am my dear girl do you take me for a fool she also rose reginald fanshawe have you really gone stark staring mad bah give it up you really carry the thing too far in a hundred ways the game's shown up the more i look at you the more i wonder how ever any one could be deceived quite apart from that tell-tale hand my hand what is the matter with my hand she held out her hands in front of her first one and then the other with an air of the most innocent surprise there's nothing the matter with it as a hand but unfortunately there's something missing from it as the hand of the lady you're supposed to be a certain ring from the third finger of the left a ring you mean my mother's ring reginald you must be mad she held the hand in question out in front of her as if astonished beyond measure he stared at her why what the devil there's some trickery it wasn't there just now it wasn't there just now my mother's ring it's never left my finger since it was first put on you couldn't get it off unless you took my finger with it is that the explanation of your extraordinary behaviour in the music-room i wondered what it meant whatever made you think it wasn't on my finger because it wasn't it was not on the finger of the girl who was in the music-room that i'll swear there's some infernal jugglery you may be maud dorincourt now that i look at you closely i believe you are do you really but the girl in the music-room was someone who was impersonating you impersonating me she assumed an air of ineffable scorn and do you dare to pretend that there is any creature living who could successfully impersonate me you must be mad i'll tell this to grandmamma and conrad and the rest of them they'll be amused to hear that your latest vagary is to suspect me of pretending to be myself who's that this was in response to another tapping at the door it's i conrad if you are disengaged there is something which i should like to say to you she turned to reginald did you lock the door i did i didn't wish our interview to be untowardly interrupted how dare you as she moved away from her he caught her by the wrist don't you make any mistake that there is some manoeuvre afloat i am persuaded i smell it in the air but whether or no there are certain passages in your life with which i have a closer acquaintance than you imagine you shan't marry conrad and so i warn you no no a thousand times no and a thousand times again and what will you do to prevent me do why i'd sooner marry you myself he broke into sudden heat don't pretend to misunderstand me maud you know i love you a hundredfold better than ever conrad can you know there is nothing a man can do i wouldn't do for you you know hang you you cat the quick change in the tenor of his observations was due to maud's having slipped from his grasp and by her manipulation of the electric button having plunged the room into utter darkness in an instant she had rushed to madeline behind the curtain they could hear him groping about laughing to himself unmirthfully as in the enjoyment of a disagreeable joke madeline i'm not going to risk a tete-a-tete with milord of staines that's not in my line you'll have to do the talking to him you'll do it better than i shall maud i can't but my dear you must and will and shall so out you come i'm going to do the hiding now maud but there was none that answered her imploring her piteous her frightened whisper maud had vanished whither in the darkness she could not tell reginald who at last had reached the door threw it open madeline from where she stood could see the earl in the corridor without 
the brothers eyed each other without much show of geniality reginald's tone though soft enough was distinctly intended to be unpleasant hello conrad is that you i do hope we haven't kept you waiting nor was the other's voice in reply unduly suggestive of brotherly love what have you been doing in there with maud that it was necessary that the door should be locked what the deuce has that to do with you how fond you are of prying you'd better ask maud perhaps she'll tell you with a laugh which was meant to irritate he strolled away the earl came into the room as he did so the electric light was reconnected once more the room was all aglow taking it for granted that this was owing to maud madeline looked round in search of her but she was nowhere to be seen if madeline could trust the evidence of her senses the earl and she were alone in the room together madeline who was standing just where maud had hurried her willy-nilly out of her hiding-place still retained in her hand a fold of the curtain it seemed to her that her heart was beating unnaturally fast there was a booming noise in her head the room swam before her eyes her limbs quivered the sudden rush of events had overtaxed her strength maud's action in thrusting her forward at such a moment in such a manner without consulting her without the slightest warning seemed to have startled the life right out of her her mysterious disappearance had been the final straw the earl mistook the cause of her obvious distress maud he exclaimed what has he been saying to you what has he done madeline all trembling clutching the curtain with convulsive fingers staggered back against the wall he dashed eagerly forward knocking over in his haste a small table which stood unnoticed in the way as this table fell something rolled off it on to the ground something which looked like a small celluloid ball as this ball touched the floor there was a flash of light a thick smoke and the sound of a loud explosion one of those messengers of death which are not among the least curious of the products of modern science had been introduced into the room all unwittingly the man whose one desire had been to convey peace and comfort to the frightened girl had given it an opportunity to deliver its message End of chapter six